Okay, we're in First uh, John chapter 2. We're going to look at verses 24 and 27, uh, lesson, uh, lesson 9. We're going to talk about resting in the truth. Now, you know, as we get ready to look at these verses, I just kind of re- want to remind you, as you're reading John, it's almost very interesting the pattern that he has here, where he, he lays down a truth that you can't ignore that's almost like a rebuke, that's almost challenging you to check out your life. If you're not, here's, it's serious, okay? But then he follows it by a section of affirmation. He follows it with a section of affirmation of truth to help you to understand that if you do know Jesus, here's something you need to be aware of. Here's something to strengthen your life. So we just had the section where he talked about Antichrist. And he gave a very broad definition of that, that if you've denied Christ and if you deny the Father, you're Antichrist. He's now going to give you a section of affirmation. He's now going to give you a section of, if you do know him, here's some truths that you can rest in. And so that's what we're going to look at today with these uh, four verses. So look with me. Let's read, to get, read in your Bibles there, 1 John chapter 2, verses 24 through 27. Look at what he says. Therefore, let that abide in you which you heard from the beginning. If what you've heard from the beginning abides in you, you also abide in the Son and in the Father. And this is the promise that he has promised us, eternal life. These things I have written to you concerning those who try to deceive you. But the anointing which you have received from him abides in you, and you do not need any... You, need, you do not need that anyone teach you, but as the same anointing teaches you concerning all things and is true and is not a lie, and just as it has taught you, you will abide in him. Okay, so basically we're going to take this, these few verses and we're going to divide it into four sections, okay? First of all, we talk about abiding in the gospel, okay? So let's talk about that. We see that in verse 24. He talks about abiding and what you've had from the beginning. From the beginning, he's going to refer to the gospel. So let's take a look here. First of all, John encourages his readers to abide in the gospel here. The gospel. You know, the gospel is the good news. The meaning of the word gospel is good news. Just so that you understand what we're talking about here, the the gospel or the good news is about the person of Jesus Christ. So you need to abide in the message or your faith in the person of Jesus Christ. Now, the word abide, we don't use that word anymore in our um, language. Like, uh, how many of you used that this week in your talking this week? I'm going to abide at home. You told somebody that, you know. I'm going to abide a while at McDonald's, you know. How many of you, we don't use that anymore, but it's still used in even in our modern translations, I find this very interesting. There are some words that just we just take all the time in Christianity, and this is one of them, and it's the word abide. Abide means to remain in or rest in. A close word would be an abode. You ever, how, many of you, how many of you know what I'm talking about? This is my abode. This is my house. This is where I sleep at. This is where I rest at, Okay. So the word abide means to remain in or rest in, okay? So the beginning, 
from the beginning refers to the time that they responded to the gospel. So he's saying if you abide in that which you've had from the beginning. So if you're abiding in the message, in the faith that you had from the beginning, when you first became a Christian, when you first became aware of the gospel and responded of who Jesus Christ is, he's, he's making the encouragement here for you and I to, re, to abide in, to remain in, to rest in that message. That simple faith that you had from the beginning. And here's what he's saying. It brings about an assurance in our life. So the gospel rests in their lives as the basis for the relationship with God. So look what he says there, verse 24. But let that abide in you which you've heard from the beginning. If you have heard, if what you have heard from the beginning abides in you, you also will abide in the Son and in the Father. What's he talking about here? If you let the gospel rest in you, if the basis for your faith and you going on day by day is the message of Jesus Christ, who he is, okay, that's going to provide a basis for your relationship with God. Do you understand? The basis for your relationship with God right now, I want everybody to understand, has nothing to do with, this is a freeing point, has nothing to do with whether or not you came to church today. The basis for your relationship with God has nothing to do with whether or not you read your Bible this week. How much you prayed. How much you give in the offering. Whether or not you helped a little old lady across the street. Or pulled over to give a guy some help with his flat tire on the expressway. I mean, it has nothing to do with any of how good a person you are. The basis for your relationship with God has to do with what John is saying here, has to do with the gospel resting in your life. That was the message of Jesus Christ resting in your life. Because you embraced that from the beginning, whenever you got saved. Okay? Whenever you recognized who he was and made that commitment to him. It's from that point on, if it's rest, that's the basis, it's your faith. It's not your deeds. It's not how good you are. Because let's be honest, how many of you failed this week? We should all say that, right? We all failed in our relationship with Christ, right? Okay? And the reality is, is if that was the basis for our relationship, we would be in trouble, would we not? But what John is saying here is, is that, it's not the basis. The basis for our relationship with God is resting in the gospel. In fact, resting in the gospel, here's the next point he makes here, resting in the gospel provides assurance. Look at what he says here. Look at what he says, verse 24. If what you heard from the beginning abides in you, you also will abide in the Son and in the Father. So if that message abides in me, if that faith message that I've embraced, that I have faith in Jesus Christ and his sacrifice on the cross for my sin, that he died for me, that he is God. If I've embraced that, I've made a commitment to that. If that's resting in my life, that's the basis for me getting out of the bed today to face the stuff that I'm facing. It's my hope for the future. Then he says, I abide in, I can have assurance that I abide in my relationship with the Son and with the Father. I have assurance. 
Do you understand what I'm saying? I have assurance. Because if I look at my deeds, and this is where immature Christians, you ever notice when, you're, when you first get saved and you're immature in the faith, you, you sin, and so because of your sin, you struggle sometimes with wondering whether or not you're a Christian. You struggle with, I must not be saved because I'm still messing up. You know what I'm saying? And so you maybe go to the altar many times if you were in a church that had an altar. You know what I'm saying? Or you get saved many times. You pray the sinner's prayer many times because you want to be sure you're saved. How many know what I'm talking about? Okay? That usually is a reflection of immaturity in your life because you don't understand. You have a, at that point in your immaturity, you think your acceptance with God is based upon what you're doing. But your acceptance with God has nothing to do with what you're doing. It has to do with your faith in the gospel. Do you understand? You're, it's, it's what's resting in you from the beginning. Does everybody understand what I'm saying? I want to make sure that I'm, I'm hitting you where you're at. Okay? If you don't understand, say, I have no clue what you're talking about. Okay? Because I want you to grasp it. This is the point he's making here. He wants us to rest in the gospel. Rest in him. Even in spite of the world being turned upside down around us. Rest in Jesus. Okay? Abide in him. Because here's what he's going to say. The promise... You know, that abiding is also because we, we've got a promise in front of us, which we see in verse 25 now. Look at verse 25. And this is the promise that he has promised us, eternal life. Rest in that gospel. Rest in that message of Jesus Christ. Have faith in that because this is the promise he's telling us. But here's a couple things I want you to see. John reminds his readers of the promise that God has given them. Here's the thing. If you trust in Jesus Christ, if you're saved... If you know him as your Savior, you're resting in that message. That your faith is in that message of the gospel, the good news about Jesus. You've got a promise that was given to you by God. That's the point he's making here. You've got a promise. You don't have to worry about it. You don't have to wonder. He's given you a promise. And here's the promise. The promise is eternal life. The promise is, is that you're going to live forever. Maybe not in this body. Thankfully not in this body. Okay? Thankfully we're going to get perfect bodies. Isn't that going to be wonderful? We're not going to have to worry about gray hair anymore. Okay? Or it falling out. Or what the scale says. Okay? That's not even going to be an issue in heaven. But the reality is, is that we have eternal life. We're going to live forever with God. Do you understand what I'm saying? In fact... You know, if you go over to John chapter 17, John tells us the prayer of Jesus, the high priestly prayer of Jesus in, in John chapter 17 when he's in the garden praying. The, John records, and this is that eternal life, that relationship with Jesus, knowing God and his son. That's what eternal life is, is an eternal relationship with the living God of the universe. Isn't that awesome? That's an awesome thought there. So then we go on, and again, he's going to stop for a moment and say, listen, this is why I'm writing you. Verse 26, look at this. He says this, the purpose for writing. These things I have written to you concerning those who try to deceive you. So here's what he's doing. John once again expresses his purpose for writing them. So, he, so he's, he's affirming them, 
He's saying, look, if you're resting in the gospel, you've got assurance. You're okay. If it rests in you, you have that relationship. And you have that promise. And this is why I'm, I'm writing you. I'm writing you right now because I want to remind you of these things. But I'm also wanting to, rem- I want to do one other thing as I'm writing you. And here's what he's doing. He wants them to beware of those who would try to deceive them. This is relevant to you and I today. What do you mean, George? Well, even, even in North American Christianity, the point that John is making to us, let me go through the point, and then I'm going to tell you why it's relevant to you and I. The point that he's making to us is this. Okay. If you responded to the gospel, you need to remember that, that by faith, in the message of Jesus Christ, you made a commitment. You followed him. You responded by faith. You got saved. That message of the gospel, that resting in that gospel, gave you a relationship with the Father and the Son. It provides to you assurance of your salvation. It has nothing to do with you. It has to do with Jesus. It provides you assurance. And you have a promise that was given to you by the Father, by God. What is that promise? Eternal life. Those are the things he's wanting to remind us. Why? He wants us to be reminded of that because there are people out there, he's saying, who are going to deceive you, who are going to try to jerk you off of those truths in your life. What do you mean, George? Well, this is why it's relevant. Because today, folks, you can go to churches, even if they're named the right thing, if they say Baptist or, or, or Methodist or whatever, and they could be, you know, whatever. If they say church on it, all you want. And they could be some guy who's really teaching from the truth. But here's the thing. They could lay in a subtle message to get you off those truths that he's trying to, to teach you about. What do you mean a subtle message? Legalism. Where if you're not doing the right things, or dressing the right way, or going to the right places, or speaking the right way, do you understand what I'm saying? You now are told that maybe God doesn't accept you. Now, they don't say that out loud, but those of us who've been there, maybe they do say it out loud. But those of us who've been in that kind of extreme, there is almost a sense, a peer pressure that your acceptance with God is not there now because you're not doing the right things in the right area. How many know what I'm talking about? And it's there, isn't it? Do you know what I'm saying? It's there. I mean, here's, here, it even gets this. We're at a day and age now where if you don't vote for the right party, you're not right with God. Do you know what I'm saying? Did, do you know, I'm, I'm just being honest with you. And when you... If you're in that environment, you say, well, yeah, that's really silly, George. I think that's craziness. Well, that's because we don't teach that here. But if you go to a church and you suddenly have that message laid down to you week after week after week after week, sooner or later, you're going to what? Change your thinking. You know what I'm talking about? You're going to embrace that kind of thinking. I mean, I mean... Think about it for a moment. How many of you have talked with other people from other churches and they have kind of like, maybe didn't say anything, but they kind of like, when you told them what you're going to do, they kind of were like, I don't know if, 
I don't know if that was a good thing to do. And you're like, well, I didn't see any problem with it. But they kind of condemned you. How many of you know what I'm talking about? The condemning thing? The subtlety of condemnation can affect you and I spiritually, can deceive us. From the message. What's the message? Here's the message. The person of Jesus. I'm resting in the person of Jesus, the gospel. What he did for me alone for my salvation. I'm resting in that. It provides the basis for my relationship with God. What he did provides the relationship for my, for, for, for my relationship with God. It provides my assurance. It is my promise that he gave me of eternal life. Anything, any of the other stuff had nothing, nothing to do with it. Do you, do you understand what I'm saying? This is the point I want you to see here. All right, let's go, let's go on here. He goes on now, and he's going to talk about the anointing. You don't need to be deceived, and a, a safety net that he gives you for the deception in your life is the anointing. He's going to talk about the anointing now. So let's look at verse 27. But the anointing which you have received from him abides in you, and you do not need that anyone teach you, but as the same anointing teaches you concerning all things and is true and is not a lie, just as it has taught you, you will abide in him. Okay, so let's talk about the anointing. First of all, the anointing refers to the receiving of the Holy Spirit. The anointing refers to the receiving of the Holy Spirit. When you came to Jesus Christ, when you embraced that gospel, when you by faith made a commitment to follow him and, and, and you prayed, at that moment, the scripture tells us, you received the Holy Spirit in your life. Do you understand what I'm saying? God's Spirit entered into your life. Now, I don't understand how that happens, what takes place. I just know that the Scripture tells us that you were anointed with the Spirit of God. Okay? John is using the word anointed. Okay? Now, when you talk about, it's like the, the we won't get into the picture of it. But the, the point is, is that you received the Holy Spirit. Now, here's what he's saying. The Holy Spirit was given to believers by God the Father. Who gave you that anointing? Who gave you the Holy Spirit? God the Father did. The Father gave you the anointing. He gave you the Holy Spirit. And here's what he's going on. Now look, at, look with me, verse 27. This is an interesting. This is great here. Abides in you. He remains in you. John tells his readers that the Holy Spirit remains in them. The Holy Spirit's with you, folks. He's, he abides in you. He's resting in you. Okay? He abides in you. You're his abode. In fact, isn't that what Paul would tell us? We're the temple of the Holy Spirit. You're the temple. So what John's saying here goes right along. You're, you're the place where the Holy Spirit inhabits. Okay? He goes on now. He's going to say that he's your teacher. What do you mean by that? Well, he goes on. He tells them that they don't need new teachers with new truth. You don't need to have new teachers with new truth. Okay? You don't need to have somebody coming alongside of you and saying, well, you know, I found something new in the Bible. Nobody else saw it. I found something new for you. He says, you don't have any need for new teachers. You don't have any need for anyone to teach you. Okay? What's he saying here? The Holy Spirit teaches them all things. He teaches you all things. 
The Holy Spirit teaches you all things. What do you mean by that, George? Even like, okay, as I'm presenting the scripture to you today, even as I'm teaching, you can take what I say and chuck it out the window. I'm just going to be honest with you. But what the Holy Spirit does is he, in your life right now, affirms truth. He says to you, yeah, what he's saying is right. In fact, a lot of times, here's what will happen. I hear this all the time in our morning services when I'm preaching. I'll have people come and talk to me during the week, sometimes after the service, and they'll say, man, that really spoke to me what you said. And they'll tell me what, what it was that was speaking to them. And a lot of times, it wasn't even what I was talking about in the message. But they, one part of the message spoke to them about an area. And I've had a week go by where three different people got, were told three different things out of the message. Now, they all related to the message, but they were three different things from three different people from three different parts of the room. So it wasn't like they were collectively thinking together. Okay? The point was is that who was teaching them? Spirit teaches them. The anointing teaches them all things. Did you understand? So, for instance, we just had this discussion about resting in the gospel and, and, and being, a, being aware of those who try to deceive you. Some of you felt in your spirit, in your soul, an agreement with that. Yeah, I, I see that. Yeah, yeah. That's the spirit teaching you. That isn't George teaching you. Do, do you understand what I'm saying? That's the spirit affirming truth. And you need to be affirmed in truth. And he is the one who teaches you. Now, Here's the point he's going to make here. He's just going to make you understand something about the Holy Spirit as the teacher. John states that the anointing is true and not a lie. What do you mean a lie? A counterfeit. That's what he means by here. If you want to write next to lie, you can write down the word counterfeit. The anointing, the Holy Spirit, is true. When he's talking to you about something, you don't need to question whether or not it is accurate or not. You can know that it is true. It's not a counterfeit. It's not falsehood. He's not going to lead you off in a direction that's wrong. So when he teaches you, he's only going to teach you truth, and he's only going to affirm truth in your life. Do you understand me? That's the bottom line. See, he's wanting you to understand. There are out there these antichrists. You need to think of them not in terms of some world leader. Yes, there is the Antichrist coming. But you need to realize that there are people out there who deny Jesus. And they're going to deceive you. And they're going to water down the basis of what abides in your life. You've got to hold on to what, what that gospel in your life. You've got to hold on to your faith. And realize that it's the basis for your relationship with Jesus it's, and, and the Father. It's your, it is the basis for the promise that he's given you. And you've got a Holy Spirit who lives with you, an anointing, who teaches you. And what he tells you is truth. It's not a lie. It's not counterfeit. He's not counterfeit. This is the point John's making here. What an affirmation for our life, isn't it? So let me ask you a question. You're struggling. You're dealing with stuff in your life. You want to know what to do. How many of you pray prayers like this? Spirit, tell me what to do. Teach me. Show me. 
How many of us do that? I, you know, if I'm, if I'm honest with myself, if we're honest with ourselves, we probably do it very little. And what we ask is Google. You know, my wife showed me a shirt. I hope she gets it for me for Father's Day. It says, I don't need Google. I have teenagers who know everything. I, I want that shirt. <laughs> we'll take orders for that shirt. How many of you want that shirt? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I don't need Google. I have teenagers who know everything, okay? You've got the Holy Spirit. Don't need to struggle. Talk to Him. And then he, here's what he's going to do. And this is, I guess, a good point to finish on. John calls his readers to remain in the Holy Spirit, to rest in the Holy Spirit, abide in the Holy Spirit. You understand? Rest in Him. Abide in Him. Look, let, we got, we, let's get real about life. Life is filled with things that are going to trip you up in your faith. Everybody understand that? Life is filled with, I mean, you're going to have meaningful people come by and tell you. They're going to tell you the silliest things that you need to do for acceptance with God. And they're going to be sincere about it. Your acceptance with God has nothing to do with what you do. Your acceptance with God has everything to do with what Jesus did for you. That's what you need to rest in. Do you understand what I'm saying? That's the basis for your relationship with God. That's the assurance that you have. You know, one day when I stand before Jesus, and I have to give an account, what's going to be the key thing is not what I've done or haven't done. The key thing is who I knew. And what I was resting in. And that I had faith in Jesus. And that he did it all for me. That's the key thing. Do you understand what I'm saying? That's why I need to remain in the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit, that's what he's going to affirm in your life. Resting in him. Do you know what I'm saying? I, I, this is craziness. I mean, I hate to say this. But I've, I've been in churches where I've walked in. It's supposedly happening places. And felt a heaviness on my soul. And it's like, and then after a while I realize why the heaviness is there. I'm not supposed to be here. There's something wrong here. Or, and, and sometimes when I hear the message, I'll say, okay, yeah, I know I know why. Now I don't need to be here. See, the Holy Spirit will guide you. You need to let him guide you in your life. He's, he is your teacher. Do you understand what I'm saying? He's your teacher. Affirm that. Grasp that. 